The story of Samuel is set in a time of political danger, religious corruption, and social insecurity in Israel. The Philistines, whose settlements were on the coast, had emerged as a threat to Israel's existence. Those who had been chosen as leaders, the sons of the old priest Eli, who kept watch over the shrine at Shiloh, were corrupt, using their priestly status for personal gain. The people of Israel, lacking valid leadership, did what was right in their own eyes. And most telling of all, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Israel was out of touch with God. But God was not out of touch with Israel. And God chose to act in a most decisive way. God also chose to reveal what was about to happen to a most unexpected and unlikely person, to a young boy named Samuel, whose story we just heard. The story of Nathanael in the Gospel of John is also set in a time of political danger, religious corruption, and social insecurity. Israel was occupied by a foreign power, the Roman Empire. Under that regime, those who had been chosen as leaders... The priests and scribes were determined to do whatever was necessary to preserve the status quo and their own authority. At the mercy of both Rome and Jerusalem, the people longed for God to intervene. And just as God had done so in ancient Israel, God acted in a most decisive way and through a most unexpected and perhaps unlikely person. The word became flesh. And Jesus came to the Jordan. After his baptism by John, Jesus begins to gather disciples. One of them is Philip, who responds to Jesus' call to follow me with enthusiasm, and then goes to look for his friend, Nathaniel. When Philip finally finds Nathaniel snoozing under a tree, he can hardly contain himself. Nathaniel! We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel cracks open one eye and says doubtfully, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Unlike Philip, Nathaniel is skeptical. After all, he knows that the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote, the Messiah, was to come from Bethlehem in Judea, not from a backwater town like Nazareth in Galilee. Furthermore, the Messiah was to be descended from the royal house of David, not fathered by some no-account named Joseph. Surely Philip is mistaken. Surely Philip has been led astray. Philip simply responds, come and see. Now Nathaniel's curious. And so he gets up and follows Philip. To his surprise, when he meets Jesus, Jesus greets him with the words, now here is an Israelite in him there, whom there is no guile. Nathaniel is astonished. How do you know me, he asks. I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you, Jesus replied. And Nathanael, amazed, suddenly changes his tune. Oh, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It's just hilarious, actually. It is. What strikes me, though, about both these scriptures is that 
though both Samuel and Nathaniel experienced the call of God, neither of them had any idea who was calling them. Samuel had indeed been dedicated to God's service since before his birth, yet Scripture tells us that he did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He had only experienced the Lord from a distance, as it were, as one who was to be worshipped and obey, but who was not expected to show up. Nathaniel, on the other hand, was a devout Jew who knew the Messianic prophecies very well, but he was unprepared for a Messiah who came from the wrong side of the tracks and who didn't fit the mold. Yet God called both Samuel and Nathaniel into relationship. I think that many people, even those of us who've been part of the church for many years, are not unlike Samuel and Nathaniel. We attend worship faithfully. We contribute our time and our energy and our money to the church. But God remains something of a mystery to us. We hear the stories of Jesus in Sunday school and study them in Bible study classes, but we don't really feel a personal relationship with him. Like Samuel, we may have heard a voice in some way, in some form, but we aren't really sure whose voice it is. Like Nathaniel, we may be taken aback, even skeptical, when God does not appear to act according to our preconceived notions. But though God is a, maybe a mystery to us, we are not a mystery to God. God has seen us sleeping in the temple and resting under the fig tree and sitting in these pews, and God knows us, knows each one of us, knows you and me intimately. God knows that we don't always listen, knows our confusion, our uncertainty, and our skepticism, knows our foibles and failures, and yet God calls to us, calls us into relationship, calls us to love and be loved, to serve and be served, to come to know God in a new and life-changing way. God knows you and calls you. Sit with that thought for just a moment. If that is true, and I believe it is, the question is, how will we respond? Certainly there are folks who, like Philip, who immediately spawn, respond to God's call with enthusiasm. But I suspect that most of us are more likely to react like Samuel and Nathaniel. Perhaps our immediate response to hearing something calling us, someone calling us, is confusion. Like Samuel, we may be unsure of what is expected of us, and it may take some time for us to come to the point where we are willing to seek a deeper relationship with God. Or perhaps we're more like Nathaniel, full of skepticism and reluctant to get involved with someone whom we don't really know. Or perhaps we have longed to hear God's call, maybe even thought that God might be speaking to us but are unsure that we are worthy to receive or capable of doing what God might ask. That certainly was my experience. 
This is one reason why being in community with other Christians is important. Just like Samuel and Nathaniel, we need mentors like Eli and friends like Philip who can help us discern and interpret God's call. Though he was a priest who had failed in his duty, Eli knew the Lord. He understood, after a bit, that God was speaking to Samuel, and he guided Samuel toward his own experience of God. Eli also understood that Samuel had been called not just to hear a message, but to deliver it. And he insisted that Samuel tell him what God had said. I suspect that during his career as a prophet, Samuel had many moments when he was asked to speak and act in ways that were personally painful to him. And perhaps in those moments, he remembered his mentor's humble and trusting words, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Though Nathaniel was blatantly skeptical of Philip's enthusiastic announcement that he had found the Messiah, Philip did not respond with disappointment or anger. His patience and his simple invitation, come and see, allowed Nathaniel to gracefully accept that invitation and prepared him for his encounter with Jesus. During that encounter, Jesus himself responded to Nathaniel's questions with answers that gently moved him to understanding and a response of faith. He also encouraged Nathaniel to grow in his understanding. Do you believe because I have told you I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Be ready. There's more. We may not know God, but God knows and calls us, and God provides us with those who are able to guide and mentor us. God calls us, hoping, hoping that each one of us will respond. But if you do, be prepared. Once you recognize and respond to God's call, your life will never be the same. The call of God does not leave us as God found us. It not only moves us to a new relationship, it also redirects our lives. Samuel went from being a boy priest in training to being a prophet of the Lord and a leader of his people. Nathaniel went from being a skeptic to being a committed disciple. Perhaps you will be asked to guide others on their journey of faith, to share your own experience, to listen patiently to their doubts, and to invite them to come and see. Perhaps you will be even given the opportunity to discern that God is speaking to them and to encourage them to be open to what God has to say. And perhaps you will be asked to do something even more, something that changes the world. In 1954, Martin Luther King Jr. became the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. He was working on his doctoral thesis at the time and so limited his involvement in community organizations. However, after Rosa Parks was arrested for refusing to sit in the back of a bus, Martin joined with those who called for a boycott in protest. One day he attended a meeting during which someone made a proposal to form an organization to guide the protest. Everyone there agreed, and the name Montgomery Improvement Association, or MIA, was chosen. And to his surprise, King 
Martin was elected its president. The call of God came unexpectedly. In his autobiography, Martin wrote, the action had caught me unawares. It happened so quickly that I didn't even have time to think it through. It is probable if I had, I would have declined the invitation. <laughs> Later, he would call it one of the luckiest decisions of my life. God called. Martin responded, and he led the MIA to victory in its fight to desegregate buses. His leadership would encourage others to respond to God's call and to work for a better world. And the more that Martin responded to God's call, the deeper his relationship with the one to whom he had dedicated his life. I believe that it, this is true for all of us. As we recognize and respond to God's call, as we give ourselves to the work to which God calls us, the work of Christ, we will come to know God more deeply. Most of you know the name Albert Schweitzer. For those of you who don't, he was a French-German physician, humanitarian, and theologian, among other things. In 1956, he wrote a book called The Quest for the Historical Jesus. And at the very end of the book, in the last paragraph, he penned these words. He comes to us as one unknown, without a name. As of old, by a lake shore, he came to those men who knew him not. He speaks to us the same word, follow thou me, and sets us to the tasks which he has to fulfill for our time. He commands, and to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in the toils, the conflicts, the sufferings that they will pass through in his fellowship. And as an ineffable mystery, they shall learn in their own experience who he is. Like Samuel and Nathaniel, we too live in a world of political dangerous, religious corruption, social insecurity a time when people are doing what is right in their own hearts and the word of the Lord seems rare and visions are not widespread. But I believe that in the midst of this crazy world, God is still working, still acting, still moving. And I believe this because Jesus has come to us, showing us God's love and calling us to relationship and into his service. He may come to us as one unknown, but when we take the time to listen, when we dare to come and see, we will discover that he knows and loves us. And as we respond to his call, as we follow him and seek to manifest his love to others, we will, like Samuel and Nathaniel and Martin and so many others, learn in our own experience who he is. May it be so. Amen.